I'm Scott Cleveland with 3C Ranch in Henrietta, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Well, the drought was the big story in Texas agriculture this year, and it has affected the cattle market in a big way. And we're going to see the effects that it's had on the cattle market for years to come. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The Texas High Plains is well known as a leading producer of things like beef and cotton and wheat. Turns out we're getting pretty big when it comes to grapes, too. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Working towards the 2023 Farm Bill. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and today I will have comments from the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, who visited Texas recently talking to farmers and ranchers about the upcoming debate on the Farm Bill. All on Texas Ag Today. Eventually it's going to get cold in Texas and there's some plants that can't handle it. So let's talk about preparing plants for cold weather in Texas. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Drought has been the big story in Texas agriculture this year and it has affected practically every cattle operation in the state in some form. And with cattle prices set to make a big jump higher, Randy Block with Cattle Facts says it's a real shame that many cattle producers can't take advantage of this upcoming stronger market. The most difficult thing is to see so many producers have to cull their cow herds to these levels at this stage of the cattle cycle. We're finally in a position that cow-calf producers could get a payday and they have to sell their herds. It's just it's devastating because we've gone through so many of these narrow margin years in here where we're just kind of getting by and make a few bucks, lose a few bucks, but now's the time for a payday, and it's unfortunate they weren't able to withstand the drought. But the upside is that the drought has cut into the cow herd, and that means higher prices are definitely ahead. We're going to see this cow herd get as nearly as tight as it did back here in 2013 and 14. So I didn't think we'd have to revisit these levels. But again, Mother Nature ruled the beast, and uh, that we're... That's why we did it then, too. It was all Mother Nature. While higher prices may be ahead, many producers are just trying to get through this upcoming winter. Drought drastically cut forage production and left cattle producers like Pat McDowell of Shamrock in the Panhandle working hard to feed their herds through some lean months ahead. 
We have grass. We're hoping it's enough, and we think it will be. Our hay supply is not what we wanted, but uh, we're still trying to get a little grass build up. It's not the quality we want or the quantity, but the good Lord's always taking care of us, and we're going to keep on plugging away and take care of the cattle. McDowell says he hasn't had to do a lot of culling this year with the hopes he can keep his herd intact and take advantage of those higher prices that Randy Block was talking about earlier. We have not done a lot of culling in the summer. There will be a little extra heavy fall culling, but we're trying our best to keep the herd at the numbers that we have now just because we think there's going to be some good markets in the next couple of years. We want to be there to take advantage of those. The late Ed Barrett of Hereford, Texas, has been announced as a new inductee into the Cattle Feeders Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame recognizes and honors exceptional visionary men and women who have made lasting contributions to the cattle feeding industry. Barrett will be recognized in January at the Cattle Industry Convention in New Orleans. Barrett was owner of Barrett and Crowfoot Feed Yard in Hereford and was in the cattle feeding industry full-time for over 60 years. When you think of Texas High Plains agriculture, you don't normally think of grapes. But James Hunt tells us the wine industry is growing there. Here's an interesting fact about agriculture in the Texas High Plains. Our region is home to about 80 to 85 percent of the wine grape production in Texas. Daniel Hillen is a viticulturalist with Texas A&M AgriLife. Hillen says the Texas High Plains is very well suited to grapes. It's got a very unique climate due to its elevation and its lack of rainfall actually does help us in some aspects in that wine grapes are quite sensitive to waterborne diseases, you know, like fungal pathogens and stuff like that. And so hot, dry, windy environment helps immensely in controlling disease on grapevines. Hillen also says grapes are pretty water efficient, but for farmers who get involved with them, grapes require a long-term commitment. It takes about a minimum of three years before you'll see your first harvest. We try to encourage people to push it to year four if you can, but we understand that you need to get a return on your investment as soon as possible. So between year three and year four is where you'll start seeing grapes. And about year five to six is when they'll be in what we call full production. A lot of dedication involved in growing grapes, obviously. Now, if you'd like to learn a little more about our local wine production and do some sampling, there's an event coming up October 27th in Lubbock. Go online and look for the AgriLife news release, which includes information about the occasion and also provides an all-important link for buying tickets. Enter the words Lubbock Vine to Wine event in your search engine to find that release. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The ranking Republican on the House Agriculture Committee was in Texas last week. Tom Nicoletti caught up with him for a few comments on the 2023 Farm Bill. My guest today is U.S. Congressman Glenn Thompson. He is a ranking member on the U.S. House Agriculture Committee. He uh, serves the 15th District of Pennsylvania, and he was in uh, Central Texas recently talking to farmers and ranchers here about various agricultural issues. And uh, Congressman Thompson, uh, the 2023 Farm Bill, where does it stand at this point as you folks are moving forward? Tom, thanks for the opportunity to, to be able to talk about Texas. The current Farm Bill expires the end of September in 2023, so we need to be able to do our work and do our job to get this Farm Bill reauthorized before it expires. We can't allow it to expire 
expire. We can't just do an extension. We have important work to do, and, and that's why I'm proud to be here in, uh, in Texas, to be back in Texas. I've been here a number of times. What are some of the aspects of the next farm bill that are critical uh, in your mind uh, as you move forward? Crop insurance needs to be protected and perhaps improved upon. I think we need to look and see what are the lessons we learned. With all the, the weather disasters that we can't control the weather, and there's no industry more vulnerable than agriculture. So are there some lessons we can learn, whether it's too hot, too cold, too warm, too dry, too wet, too windy, that we could incorporate into crop insurance? But crop insurance needs to be protected, and I think strengthened in some way. We uh, certainly need to look at Title I, the reference prices. Reference prices, when you have this high 41-year high inflation, what you get paid for a commodity is, is not relevant when you look at the input costs and how expensive things are. Farming is a business, and it's the margin at the end of the day. That is the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, U.S. Representative Glenn G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cold weather will hit Texas soon. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno says you need to prepare your plants for those upcoming cold temperatures. Well, it's not cold today and maybe not for a week or two or who knows what's going to happen, but eventually it will get cold. And in landscaping, we have been stretching the limits on plants for a long time. We sometimes try to to grow wet plants that we love in dry climates and dry plants like cactus and succulents in wet climates. And we know kind of how to deal with those and prepare the location and the site so that they can get what they need. But cold tolerance is kind of a different issue. We're taking plants from southern areas because their bloom is so beautiful, such as lantanas and yellow bells or the esperanzas and so many other plants, some hardy hibiscus that might not withstand the cold weather in the zone that you're in. Sometimes we grow these in containers. If we grow them in the ground, we have choices, or even in the container, we have choices of letting them die and starting all over or trying to do something with them. We don't normally dig those in the ground, but we try to make their roots hardy. And the way we usually do that is we pile soil or mulch up to six, eight inches around the crown or base of the plant, which insulates not only the roots, but those buds that are right at ground level. And they can withstand very cold temperatures. And so the top dies, we cut them off, and they come back. Now, in containers, of course, we can let those die and start over. We can move them to a greenhouse or a sunroom if we have that, which so many of us don't have. And another option is what grandma used to do, and that was to to move them into a garage or a shed that was plenty dark, not too much light. The goal there is to keep them alive, overwinter them, not necessarily make them grow and look beautiful, and then in spring cut the tops back on them, fertilize water, and bring them out, and they survive. And a lot of us, especially me, have done this to bougainvilleas and hibiscus, the Chinese variety, for years. So you can do that. It's a great experiment. You can get close to freezing, and they will survive. Reporting from San Angelo for Texas Ag Today, this is John Begno. A new poll reveals Americans' attitudes towards chronic wasting disease regulations. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And this year's monkeypox outbreak can also affect dogs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. Dangerous wildfire weather conditions in the state can look like just any other day. Hot, dry, and windy. But a specific mix of weather factors can be conducive to a devastating wildfire outbreak. Learn what to look for. Listen to officials. Evacuate early. Your actions could help save your life, property, and livelihood. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit DICC.TAMU.EDU. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We've heard a lot about the monkeypox outbreak in humans, but did you know that outbreak can also affect dogs? Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells how. Dr. Lori Teller from Texas A&M indicates in Pet Talk that owners should take some precautions to prevent transmission of the disease to their pets. She indicates pets can become infected with the monkeypox virus by close contact with an infected person. The disease can be transmitted from a person to a pet through respiratory droplets or from being exposed to the infected person's skin sores. If a human in the household has monkeypox, they should quarantine from the pet and other humans for 21 days. If the pet has already been in contact with an infected human, watch for symptoms. The symptoms in pets resemble symptoms in people, including blisters or pimples, fever, a cough, inflamed eyes, swollen lymph nodes, and a runny nose. Now, these symptoms describe a lot of diseases, so if your pet develops any of these symptoms, see your veterinarian and don't just assume your pet has monkeypox. The first reported case of monkeypox in a dog was in a four-year-old greyhound, confirming that the disease can infect dogs. To prevent infection, try to limit pet exposure to the infected human's clothes, and if an infected human must care for their pet, wear gloves and long sleeves. If there are any pregnant, immunocompromised, or young people or animals in the home, they will be the most susceptible. It is certainly more likely a pet will catch the disease from a human than the human catching the disease from a pet. And if you remember, this was the scenario with COVID-19. The likelihood of your pet catching monkeypox is low, but caution is still a good idea. If you have any topics you want me to discuss on Texas Vet News, contact me at texvet at txfb.org. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new poll reveals America's attitude towards chronic wasting disease regulations. Jessica Domel takes a look at that poll in today's Wildlife Report. The majority of Americans support additional state and federal action to better manage chronic wasting disease. That's according to a new poll conducted on behalf of the National Deer Association and the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. The poll surveyed 800 random voters across all demographics. NDA says it found that 94% of Americans responded that the presence of wildlife where they live is important to their quality of life. 92% said they believe wildlife is important to the state economy. 96% responded that it is important for their state to take action to limit the spread of CWD, which is a fatal neurological deer disease. The National Deer Association noted that support for CWD management in states that currently do not have CWD detections did not vary significantly from states that already have CWD. The survey showed that 93% of people polled support improving the availability and turnaround of CWD tests of deer harvested by hunters to better track and manage the disease. 
93% supported increasing disease detection standards that captive deer operations have to follow to be considered low risk for CWD. 90% support stopping the movement of live captive deer between facilities to limit the possibility of disease being spread from operation to operation. And 88% support dedicating additional federal funding to help state wildlife and agriculture agencies limit the spread of CWD in wild and captive deer. The association is advocating for the expansion or implementation of the management topics that it pulled on. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Another strongly higher close in the cattle market on Monday. But the grain markets showed some weakness. We'll take a look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It looks like the cattle futures market is finally paying attention to what the cash trade is doing. We've seen higher cash cattle prices over the last few weeks, but the futures market has been a bit stubborn about responding to that. We're seeing that happen, however, on Monday's trade with October live cattle up 92 cents. Now at 147.87, December was up a dollar 42, 149.20, February live cattle up a dollar 10, 152.20. Same story on feeder cattle. They were strongly higher, helped out by a lower corn market. October feeders up 95 cents, 174.75. November feeder cattle up a dollar 62 at 176.40. January up 215, 177.25. Cash-fed cattle market was quiet on Monday, but as we mentioned earlier, we saw higher cash trade last week. Here in Texas, we sold cattle at 145. That's a buck higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher on Monday. Choice up a dollar seventy-one at two forty-eight sixty-nine. Select up five oh one two twenty-one ninety-five. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Klein Spear, his brother Justin, and their mom Melody own and operate Southwest Livestock Exchange Uvalde, started by their granddad and Melody's dad, Joe Hargrove. Klein, how was the sale on Thursday? Went pretty well. We had 720 head today, Larry. Uh, Packer cows and bulls, I'd call them another kind of four to six lower. I'd call the calves and yearlings probably three to five, and those plainer kind of cattle, there's Kind of getting a hard spot to find them. I'd say they were six to eight lower, just kind of better calves are holding their value still right now as many are coming to town as dries. It's getting the number one choice steers, dollar thirty-five to dollar fifty-five, and the lightweights dollar fifty to dollar eighty. Number one choice heifers, dollar twenty to dollar fifty, and the lightweight dollar forty to dollar seventy. Crossbred steers, dollar thirty to dollar fifty-five, and the lightweights dollar forty-five to dollar seventy-five. Crossbred heifers, dollar ten to dollar forty-five, and the lightweights dollar thirty-five to dollar sixty-five. Stalker cows, seventy-five to a dollar. Packer bulls, eighty-five to nine. 95. 
Those breaker cows were 52 to 70, and those canners were 30 to 45. Shelly cows, 15 to 30. Uh, a couple pairs, 850 to 1,050, and the planer pairs, 400 to 650 there. And the bread cows, they had some really nice bread cows, brought 650 up to 1150. So overall, still a pretty good market and a pretty good run for October here. What do you know for next week? Probably have around that six to 700 range on Tuesday for sheep and goats. And next Thursday, we got a few guys out working again. So probably have around that 700, 800 head range next week as well. Klein Spear, Southwest Livestock in Uvalde. Tell everybody how to contact. Call us the office, 830-591-3241. That's my cell phone or the office, 830-278-5621. We appreciate you and we'll talk to you early next week. Thank you, Larry. Thank you. Bye-bye. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs close sharply higher in Monday's trade. December hogs up 270, 84.95. February hogs up 255 at 85.97. Class 3 milk close mixed with the nearby October down 3 cents, 21.74. November milk up 20 at 20.61 a hundredweight. The cotton market traded both sides unchanged on Monday. That's how we closed it. Not a whole lot of direction in the market, with December cotton down six points, 8309. March cotton unchanged, 8199, while December 23 cotton was up 35 points at 76 cents even. The corn market lower, pressure coming from harvest progress and very cold temperatures in the Midwest. December corn down six and a quarter, 683 and a half. March corn down six and a half, 689 and three quarters. Not much direction in the wheat market either in Monday's trade. December Kansas City wheat down a quarter penny, 952 a bushel. December Chicago wheat up one and a quarter at 861. In the energy markets, November natural gas down 49 cents, 596. November crude oil down 9 at 85.52 a barrel. The financial markets higher Monday afternoon. The Dow up 550 points, 30,185. The Nasdaq up 354 at 10,675. The S&P up 94 points, 3,677. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.